Hello, 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 and welcome to the Comment Podcast, where we talk about your favorite movies, music, TV, shows, and more. I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Mia. And I'm Decoria. And today, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the second episode of Spooktober. Woohoo! I said I was going to put spooky music in the last episode. I completely forgot. I will do that <laughs> this, this episode <laughs> for our intro. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to our last episode and supporting us. Our numbers are doing fantastic. We're now being heard in over 100 countries. Ah! You love us. We love you. It's great. Um, we hope you are enjoying Sweta Weather. And if you haven't watched the Black Panther trailer, you should go do that. We're excited to go see it. We hope you're excited to go see it. There's so many more cool movies that are coming out the rest of this year. And maybe we'll do, I mean, if we go see Black Panther, we're definitely going to do like a, oh, we're going to have to do a review on it. Because like, why not? Why not? But in the meantime, and in between, time while you're drinking your water and still putting on your sunscreen just because summer has passed people doesn't mean the sun can't still give you cancer please put sunscreen on your face and your neck and your ears yes you heard me your ears anyway welcome back to spooktober and today uh, we were originally going to do surviving scary movies but honestly speaking i don't think i would survive any of them so <laughs> after listening to michael jackson's thriller and playing that man's music for a few days straight i was like same <laughs> i was like <laughs> in the mood to watch the whiz so today's episode will be on the 1978 uh musical adventure fantasy classic the whiz dun, dun. um just a brief for people who don't know, The Wiz is a s- broadcast musical that was uh, started airing in 1975 um, that got turned into a movie in 1978. It stars Diana Ross, Michael Jackson, Nipsey Russell, Ted Ross, Richard Pryor, Lena Horne, Mabel King, and a bunch of other famous black performers. The movie is 133 minutes long yeah yeah um and it is an adaptation of the source material and not the actual movie but we'll get some more into hmm. do y'all want to hear tea first or should we talk about the movie first the movie okay yeah so the whiz starring diana ross let us begin with the plot children we are in harlem in the 1970s and Miss uh, Dorothy Gale, who's played by Diana Ross, said, Thanksgiving, what a family. Woohoo! It's blacker than black in here. People are playing checkers. They're eating good food. Them Thanksgiving dinner plates didn't look too appetizing, but you know, you <laughs> got to do what you got to do, right? So we're in here, and then I am, uh, um, and start singing a song about uh i think the first song is the feeling that we had um it's i am in chorus she's talking about how good it is to be in family and the feelings that we have is it somebody getting married did i make that up in my head um i might have made that mm. up in my head but uh she's singing this song about feeling and being home and being a family and you know we're kind of just eased on into this musical-esque world and dorothy she you know she's helping aunt m set the table she goes to the kitchen and she's um we learn that she's extremely introverted and she starts to sing this is diana Ross's first song which is called can i go on and she talks about she just really sings about the feeling of not knowing that same feeling of home and adventure or like the warmth that Aunt M was just singing about. Um, after Thanksgiving dinner, Aunt M goes into what aunties always do. Girl, when you gonna get about this house? Girl, when you gonna get a life? You ain't been past 125th Street. And she's like, well, what the hell is past 125th Street? And I'm on Dorothy's side because she's like, I'm 24 years old. I'm an elementary school teacher. I was laughing at this part of the conversation because Aunt M goes like, well, don't you think about getting a job at the high school? I said, teaching elementary and teaching high school are two different things. <laughs> and if you <laughs> with elementary school, school kids and you like it, going to big kids? Absolutely not. Do you know how many more students that is? <laughs> That's like upwards of a hundred and like upwards of two hundred students a year. When I can be sitting here with my little thirty year round. Yeah, no, I'm with Dorothy when she said 
um, no, I like the kids. I think I'm cool, but Aunt Em wants her to go out and live life and, you know, be free and fabulous. And I know a few of us 20-year-olds or 30-year-olds too probably triggered. We were like, yeah, I am cool. Uh, yeah, no. Um, but they this is the same old, same old conversation for them. So Dorothy, you know, Aunt Em is cleaning up and Dorothy's like, I got it, I am, don't worry about it. She opens the door and Toto's, Toto is mixed to me now because Toto don't forgot he's black. <laughs> Go run out the door and into the snowstorm. Now, this is where I paused the movie and looked at Casanova, my dog, in his face. And I said, if you ever pull some shit on me like that, we gonna have a problem, sir. I will lock you in that cage for the next 24 hours. I said, Toto ain't got no sense. He don't know he black. Running out there in the snowstorm. And so, of course, Miss Dorothy Gill gonna follow him because that's her baby. She yelling, Toto, he ain't stopped yet. But they go out there and she gets caught up in this snowstorm. And this is the first time we get to see the uh, good witch, Glinda. Um, And she blows Dorothy into Oz. And she falls through the sky because Oz has a a skylight (laughs) that has a Z in it. And she falls through the Z and lands and munchkin land and so this is where we get to see oz for the first time and munchkin land is basically munchkins are um graffiti on a park wall which i always thought was cool the way they come off that wall though is scary as hell and dorothy was in her right mind to be screaming nightmare um, fuel. that's terrible <laughs> nightmare fuel it's terrifying um and they're like, oh, we want to, you know, give thanks, give appreciations to you because you done, you done killed our oppressor. And Dorothy's like, I ain't killed nobody other in my life, sir. I don't know what you're talking about. So they bring her over to the Fallen Z and under it, under it is Evamine, the Wicked Witch of the East. And there she is, dead up under that Z. And there was like, ha ha, she caught us playing in her garden or something once and then she turned us into graffiti and so the munchkins are very very happy um oh no it's ever mean the wicked witch oh ever mean i said it right ever mean the wicked witch of the east so now that you killed the person who put a spell on us we are now free we appreciate you for that miss dorothy and so they give her ever mean shoes um oh no they don't give her ever mean shoes yet then comes out miss one the good witch of the north she's a magical numbers runner and this is one of the things i love about wiz because she is definitely the bag lady her arm is covered with bags she's the bag lady and a lottery lady <laughs> and if you live in a multi in a, in a heavily black area you've met this lady before but miss one who loves the much is the much love miss one she's like when i look at that you done killed miss ever me now we don't love we appreciate you for doing that i ain't never seen nobody thank somebody else for um committing murder or manslaughter. That's not murder. That's manslaughter. Right, Mayor? That's manslaughter. <laughs> it wasn't uh, premeditated. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't think it's premeditated, so it's manslaughter. But, um, for committing manslaughter, but, you know, the munchkins are happy. They don't sing their song. Um, Miss One gives Dorothy the shoes so her don't take the shoes off. And so, um, Miss One, and they said, well, she, well, Dorothy's like, well, I gotta get home to New York City. Well, she's like, well, girl, I don't know where New York City is. But maybe you, she's like, I wouldn't really go see Eva Means' uh, sister, because you just killed her sister, and you can't find Glinda, because she always, you know, M.I.A., and I ain't got enough power to do that for you, but you should go find the Wiz in Emerald City. Um, and that's when they sing He's the Wiz, which I love the song. Um, he's the Wiz and he lives in Oz, and they tell her she has to find the Yellow Brick Road. And so after they tell her to find the Yellow Brick Road, Dorothy tries to grab a taxi. Um, and just like in New York, she can't get one. <laughs> um, taxis are very hard to catch in Oz. And so then all of a sudden the munchkins and Miss One disappear and uh, Diana goes to her second song, which is Soon As I Get Home, which was actually a very nice song. So she's walking and walking. She hasn't found the Olympic Road yet. She just walking with Toto in her arms um, and she gets this like abandoned building. And this is when we first see, I guess, our puppeteer dude for the first time. I still am haunted by that fucking flute sound. <laughs> That cuckoo bird sounds terrifying. Um, but as she's walking, she starts to hear some commotion. And what is this commotion? 
is the crows. And what are they doing? Terrorizing a poor little scarecrow. Um, you know, they eating up all his corn in his garden. And, you know, he's just, like, really timid and really shy. And he's like, is this finally going to be the day that you let me down so I can walk in my garden? And uh, the crows is like, no, let me tell you, you can't walk. Ain't nothing to do. Um, If you come down here and walk, you know, he pulls out pieces of newspaper from his um, body and recites all these, like, intelligent quotes and stuff like this. And they said, listen, you have to, uh, the crow anthem or something like that. And so the crows uh, are basically telling him that, you know, he can't win. That's the song. Um, The crow is, oh, no, the scarecrow is also played by Michael Jackson, BTW. Um, uh, and he sings You Can't Win, which is a great song. It's a great piece. Um, the crows are shucking and jiving, and you know, it's fun. And uh, Miss Dorothy said, I'll help you down. So she helps the scarecrow down. He's a little limp, can't walk. She's like, Well, no, you can walk. You've just been listening to all that negative talk from these crows. And so she's sick, cut on the crows. We are now crow free, and the scarecrow and Dorothy decide they're going to go well Dorothy invites the scarecrow to go find the whiz together so he can get a brain and so they find the yellow brick road and they what ease on down the road so they ease on down and ease on down until they get to an abandoned amusement park um where they meet the tin man and the tin man sings uh, a song well the tin man is being crushed by his third wife tiny who is just this giant very racist depiction of a black woman um but she's squishing him um he obviously did something to be squished uh but he talks about how he wishes he has a heart because if she could feel then maybe he wouldn't have been a player you know a rolling stone or whatever um so of course dorothy and the scarecrow helped the tin man um and they invite him to go with them to whiz he sings um if i could feel and then slide some oil on me and so they He's on down that yellow brick road until they meet the cowardly lion. Um, which is funny to me because they wouldn't have stopped to see the lion if it wasn't the Tin Man being like, that statue's looking at us. And Dorothy's like, it's a statue. It can't look at people. And they start to poke it. I was like, y'all are just being the antithesis of what most black people would do. Because if somebody told me the statue was looking at us, I'm like, cool, let's continue to move very far away from said statue um but they poke the statue and out pops the lion who says i'm a mean old lion this is played by ted ross who actually plays um the cowardly lion in the wiz in the original wiz as well um so he sings I'm a mean old lion and then toto bites him and then he starts to cry we find out that he was uh banished from the jungle because he's a lion without courage and so of course the crew asks him to join them to go to the whiz the whiz can get you courage and get dorothy home and give the tin man a heart and give the scarecrow a brain the whiz got a lot of shit to do right so as they're on their way to the emerald city they enter the haunted subway now i feel like this is the first time in my 27 years of life that i have actually watched the subway scene without looking away i was terrified <laughs> of this subway scene when i was a child it was not good <laughs> it was not good they used to play this because i was in like chorus so they would play the Wiz as part of like, oh, it's a fun day. We don't really want to teach you guys, so let's watch The Wiz. And me and four other kids were like, I have to leave the room. I can't watch that subway scene. It's, it's heart palpitating. But basically, the puppeteer goes into the subway where our crew is at and turns his puppets big, and so they have to run from them. Um, the puppets get big. The subway starts attacking them. The trash cans try to eat the scarecrow. A lot of stuff is happening. The lion helps everybody, and they eventually leave. But they escape, but not without, you know, the fear getting put into them. Um, they're celebrating escaping the subway when they run into the poisonous poppy girls who basically end up drugging the lion and Dorothy into a trap. Um, they get drugged and fortunately the Tin Man and the Scarecrow had half a mind not to follow the poppy girls. And so, um... The lion is very, very sad because he feels like it's his fault that Dorothy got um, 
injured or whatever and they sing be a lion so they finally reach the emerald city which is one of my favorite sequences in the movie um this is where the they change colors from like emerald to red to gold and so the whiz realizes that dorothy has on evermean shoes and he asks her to come up to the tower but you know he doesn't want the riffraff he doesn't want her friends to go with him but Dorothy said my friends are coming and we're not coming up there at all so they go to see the Wiz and the Wiz says I'll send you home if you go kill um the Wicked Witch of the West Evelyn and so um at first they didn't want to go but Dorothy's like I gotta get home so we're gonna have to go kill Evelyn it is what it is so they ask the Emerald Guard Emerald City Guards where the road is to Evelyn the Wicked well the, the East and they're like, don't worry, Evelyn will find you. So we get to meet Miss Evelyn, who is played by the very famous um, Mabel, Mabel King, who was also um, the original Evelyn on the original, how do I say that? The original, not broadcasting, but the original. <laughs> the play, the, the original play. Yeah, the original first run of the, 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 the musical. Um, and so... She sings, she runs a sweatshop where they, um, what she said, is a sweatshop that prioritizes, specializes in sweat. Um, she sings, don't nobody bring me no bad news. She finds out, she's, uh, she calls in her flying monkeys and tells them to go capture our crew. Um, the flying monkeys do so after Dorothy and crew are very awful at hiding. And so... Uh, Evelyn demands that Dorothy give her her sister's shoes back. She says no at first. Evelyn tries to take them. Evelyn can't take them. And so she then proceeds to torture the rest of the crew. The scarecrow gets sawed in half. The tin man gets flattened. The lion is hung by his tail. And just as she's about to throw Toto into the fire, Dorothy takes off the shoes. The scarecrow is like, I need you to pull up the fire extinguisher. That'll probably help us. They pull up the fire extinguisher. We find out that Evelyn is allergic to water. And she melts away. And now all of the workers of the sweatshop are free. And it's a brand new day. And so the flying monkeys give Dorothy and her friends a triumphant ride back to Emerald City where they discover the Wiz is a fake. He's a fraud. He's a two-bit <laughs> politician. He's Richard Pryor. Ever... <laughs> He's Richard Pryor. <laughs> He's Richard Pryor. Uh, he's a failed politician from Atlantic City named Herman Smith, who ended up in Oz after a hot air balloon, hot, hot air balloon ride. And so now the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, the Lion, and Dorothy are all very sad because they're probably not going to go be able to go home. And so then Glenda, who is the cause of this, decides she want to show up at the last minute and be like, well, since you have your friends believe in themselves and point out that they already had courage and a brain and a heart. You just have to believe in yourself. And so Diana goes into her last song, which is believing oh, is home. And she clicks her heels and she's back home in the streets of Harlem in the middle of a snowstorm. Dun dun and that's the end of the movie. Um reactions. Marion, is this your first time watching The Wiz? No, I think I watched it in high school one time. How did you feel after finishing uh, it? So, I was good for the first hour and 45 minutes. And then <laughs> okay. after that, I was like, I need this to end because I don't like mm-hmm. musicals. But I right. did enjoy it for the first half. Okay. Valid, valid, valid. What about you, Corey? Uh, yeah, I've seen this movie a lot. Um, yeah, I've seen this movie a lot of times, actually. My parents <laughs> used to play this like every like holiday season. I don't know why mm-hmm. they chose the holiday season specifically, but like around Christmas time, they used to play this. So like, it was nice to see it again. I still really like it a lot. I think after watching it again, it made me realize how much I did like the movie. So it probably is gonna be like one of my. It probably is one of my like top ten movies, or it's my favorite Ooh. musical at least. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. What about you, Nia? Um, I feel like I'd seen this once as a kid, um, mm. but it's been so long that I've forgotten like the connecting scenes between scenes. Um, right. So I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this song. Oh yeah, but I forgot this. Yeah. 
So I really enjoyed it though. Um, the music top tier, like right. music was the soundtrack was soundtracking. What yes. about you, Tori? I've was a, a, a music kid in, in middle school. So I've definitely seen this more than once. Um, I don't know if it was like something my mom showed, but it was definitely always playing on television. So I've always watched it that way. This is, I realized that I can do musicals if they're black. <laughs> like I can do musicals if it's like really good music. I feel like modern musicals suffer from dialogue and then the content of the songs being the exact same thing. Whereas the with the dialogue and the content of the songs is not the exact same thing. If that makes sense. The songs yeah, that makes sense. at the same meaning as the dialogue, but it's just not the dialogue repeated. <laughs> yeah. The songs help move the storyline along, unlike other yes. musicals where it's just a pause as they explain what they just talked about. Yes, yes. It's in traditional musical format. I feel like made-for-TV musicals tend to fall into that trap. Traditional musicals, usually the music is used as a device to therefore look deeper into the characters. Yeah. So, I loved it. What's everybody's favorite song and or scene? Before we get into some tea. My favorite scene... Um, was it called Emerald City? Yes. Whatever city that was where they kept changing the color and he was like, yes. red is dead or no, he was like, yeah, green is yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be caught dead and then red <laughs> is <And> red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really liked that scene. I really liked it a lot. Um, yes. That one and then when um they first met the lion when he did his song, I thought his song was really good. Oh. I'm a mean alive. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a good one. What about you, uh, Mary? Um, come back to me. Actually, okay. I don't have- <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> yeah, well, I love "Home" just by default because I love that song Ooh, in general. Yes, the Stephanie yes. Mills version, um, specifically. But um, the song I really loved was also the one that Corey mentioned. The color changing, I was like, but also mm-hmm. "No Bad News" hit. "No Bad News" was great. No, it was very gospel. It was very much. yes. It was giving church. <laughs> Yes, it was, and I was like, "Oh, this is a this is a banger." <laughs> um, God, I like so many songs. I re- I was kind of surprised at myself for knowing so many songs by heart. So I probably seen this movie more than I can possibly remember. Um, I do like I'm a Mean Lion. The Emerald City sequence, I think, of scenes is my favorite because it's just the sheer amount of costumes that they had to have. Also, Iman is in one of those scenes. Um, really? Wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait! I, I think I know what you're talking a, about. I had a feeling one of them, a model, had to be in there. I had a feeling. Yeah, <laughs> it says on the IMDb that this was Iman's debut. Wow! Yeah. So she was like, in one. I think yeah. I know exactly. I was like, because something crossed my mind. I was like, who's that? <laughs> right. <laughs> um. As soon as I get home, I do like that song mm-hmm. a lot. And then you can't win. You can't win is such a good. It's the first thing I think about when I think about the Wiz. Is that song? Yeah. Mm. What about you, Marin? Um, probably favorite song is "You Can't Win," and then p- favorite moment is the Emerald City when they're changing all the clothes. Wow, I didn't think the Emerald City would be <laughs> a crowd favorite. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that one was just so cool. I wonder if it was like an effect, or did everyone mm-hmm. change outfits? I think I wonder if it looked it was just like a I know effect. I know there's actually a fact about this that the costume designer actually like went to a bunch of his friends and asked for a bunch of costumes. I know a lot of it has to has to be lighting. Also, Brand New Day is a great song. That's was written by Luther Vandross. Oh whoa, what? Yeah. Question mark, question mark? that's crazy <laughs> also i was very thoroughly shocked that lena horn sang a whole song in this movie i was like right. and she was this older was too because i was in her last movie yeah this is her last movie wow so she yeah. must have been in her 70s or 80s i think that's crazy <laughs> let's get into some production facts 
critical acclaim of The Wiz. I always think it's fun to look at the making of films. You know, we like to look at that. So first, let's go to the soundtrack. The soundtrack is all songs are written by Charlie Smalls. Charlie Smalls is an American composer and songwriter. Um, best known for writing the music and lyrics for the playwright William F. Brown's uh, musical The Wiz and the film version of the same name. I'm trying to see who else he worked with. Yeah, he wasn't... I don't think he was well-known, but this was probably one of his biggest projects. Um, The soundtrack consists of 25 tracks. It took three years to complete. Um, Quincy Jones wrote Can I Go, Anthony Jackson wrote Poppy Girls. Um, music by Quincy Jones for the Emerald City sequence and is this what's really good. Also, Quincy Jones is the one playing the piano. Yeah, Tori, tell the, me you read Emerald my City. mind. I was just about to be like, is he playing the piano? Yeah. He's not the actual yeah. person that plays the piano on the track, but he's the one playing the piano in the movie. Right. Right. And then Luther Vandross wrote um, A Brand New Day. Everybody rejoice. So, pre-production and development. This was the eighth feature film from Motown Productions. Um, originally, Stephanie Mills was supposed to be Dorothy. Yep. But Miss Diana Ross lobbied for this role. She wanted to be Dorothy. People were upset with her being Dorothy because she was 33 when this was filmed. Dorothy is, um, canonically, like, 16. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. in the original, and I think in the white version of the Oz. Um, or she's like six. Yes, right. And so, but Miss Diana Ross said, I want to play Dorothy. So I'm going to play Dorothy. <laughs> she lobbied for mm-hmm. this role very hard. So hard that they had to basically, the director who was for the movie first, who was um, John Badham, uh, was the first director for the movie when he learned that Dorothy would be played by Ross. He decided not to direct the film and he was pre- replaced by Sidney Lumet. Um, here's the thing. Diana's... People kept telling Diana that she was too old, but she's like, Dorothy's an ageless character, so I don't understand why y'all keep telling me that. And she said, if I get to play Dorothy, I will guarantee you that Michael will, will be in this movie. So... <laughs> <laughs> mm. that and you know why that's extra shady it's because stephanie mills and michael jackson used to date oh i didn't know that no, I listen, didn't know yes that. <laughs> no listen Wait, this is old really? this is old old black hollywood tea yes so but michael were, jackson like, was 18 in this movie well him and steph okay him and stephanie mills were like close for years like there's pictures of him being like 15 i think and because they're both similar age like oh. him and stephanie were around the same age i believe and diana's significantly older than the both of them i believe but don't quote me on that. Let me check the numbers because I know that Diana's older Michael. Let me see how old Stephanie Mills is. Yeah, they're just a year apart. Yeah, they grew up together in that sense. So they worked really, really close. Stephanie was the one that made this, like, the Wiz popular on Broadway. And so, like, it was guaranteed, like, her role. But, the, the okay, this is a rumor, but, like, Diana Ross was with Quincy Jones at the time. So he was like, whatever you want kind of thing. Right, and the Motown head... Very good. Barry Gordy is her ex-lover. So they all thought she was too old. (laughs) And Ms. Ross said, well, the role is mine. What you gonna do? Tell Diana Ross of the 70s? No. (laughs) Exactly. So, but what happened happened. Um, Stephanie Stephanie Mills was the original role on Broadway, though, and she did um, she did a 1,672 performance. And they won Mad yeah. Tonys for the broad the the Broadway. Of like the it, for example, like a think of it this way: say they're making a Hamilton movie, but they don't cast like Lin Manuel as the yeah. lead. <laughs> that's how it, that's how it kind of was like. Like people are like, "You're telling yes. me Stephanie's not playing Dorothy when she's that's her job." Like you know, right. um, so that's why it was extra controversial and like that could have been stephanie's big mainstream role too Mm -hmm. so like diana ross was already super famous at the time she didn't need like the the publicity 
I know she did. Was being but, a diva yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but, when your husband is when she was dating Quincy Jones, and then her ex is also the person of Motown pictures, she had a lot of pool, and so <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she ended up getting the role. Um, a lot of people were just like, "This is not her role." Um, she's too old. You know, she's not six year old. Well, Dorothy, mm-hmm. well, Stephanie Mills wasn't six at the time either. But you know, it is what it is. Twenty yeah. um, century Fox um, had. Oh, keep going. Oh, and I don't want to interrupt, but like this one more thing. But the mm-hmm. funny thing is, like to this day, people, even though she's the star of this movie, people still associate the Wiz still with Stephanie Mills because, like, yeah. she sings well, that song on her tour sixteen hundred times. I know exactly. <laughs> Diana played a once. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. But I mean, like, I don't know if Diana sings the songs at her concerts, but Stephanie Mills' "Home" is like the song that people want to hear her sing. She sings it every show. Like, this is she's known. Like, this is still like associated with her. So even though mm-hmm. Diana played this, it still didn't change the fact that people still think of the Wiz with Stephanie Mills. That's all I want right. to say. All right, right. Um, so uh, 26th Ruth Fox had financially backed up the state musical, but they in- up, ended up exercising their first refusal rights for the film production, which gave Universal an opening f- to finance the film. Initially, Universal was so excited that they didn't actually set a budget. Which was their doom because the movie cost twenty four million and only made twenty one million at the box office, which makes it a failure. Um, in movie sense, so, um, John Schumer is one of the writers. Um, his script. Okay, here's the thing. <sighs> How do I explain this? John Schumer's script was influenced by Renner Ergard's teachings. Renner Ergard was like this motivational Arthur lecturer, and he's the founding of Est. So Ergard's seminars training is Est. I was so confused about this because they mentioned this in the critics of this movie. So Est was an organization that was founded in 97 that offered a two-weekend, six-day, 60-hour course known officially as the est standard training the seminar aimed for transform and i quote transform one's ability to experience living so that the situations one had been trying to change or have been putting up with clear putting up with clear up just in the process of life itself <laughs> an s website claims that the training brought to the forefront the ideas of transformation personal responsibility and accountability S seminars operated from 1971 to 1984 and spanned numerous books. S has been featured in a num- number of films and television shows, ex- television shows, including the critically acclaimed Spice Years, The Americans. S represented the outgrowth of the human potential movement. Um, many people criticized of it. To me, it sounds like it was um, a trend in the self-help, self-talk era. <laughs> And people just kind of ran with it. You know how creatives are. (laughs) They feel like they've been spoken to and they just kind of run with it. So Schumer's script was influenced by this S movement. Um, uh, And Robert Cohen, Rob Cohen, who is the producer was just like the script was full of all like these buzzwords and things buzzwords and things like that um and he hated the script a lot but it was hard to argue with diana ross because she was recognizing in the script that she had worked that it seems like diana ross had also worked with these s's seminars so even if rob cohen the producer hated it and the schumer uh was kind of obsessed with this and it was like bleeding in over to the work nobody really could do anything they invested so many money into it so they just kind of had to run with it um and so a quote from i guess schumer the scripts writer um he said he was grateful eternally grateful for learning that he was responsible for his own life however he also complained that everybody stayed exactly the way they were and they went around spouting all this bullshit so i don't know it was just a weird thing that's going to come up later that i just needed to explain to you guys so so lamette who is lamette is 
the director, Sidney Lumet. Um, as they were filming, they everybody was excited for it. They said this is going to be something great for people to witness. Um, you know, and people were asking, would this be influenced by MGM's popular 1939 film adaption of The Wizard of Oz? If he said there was nothing to be gained from the 1939 version, um, other than to make certain that we didn't use anything from it, T-Shade. Um, he said they made a brilliant movie, and even though our concept is different, they're Kansas, we're New York, they're white, we're black, and the scores, and the books are totally different, we wanted to make sure that we never overlapped in any area. Um, Michael also talked about it. He said it was a great experience, that he loved filming it. Um, so it was pretty good. The people who worked on it liked it. Um, Ted Ross, again, the Cowardly Lion and Mabel King, uh, May, um, Eveline were brought back to reprise their roles. Nipsey Russell was cast as the Tin Man. Lena Horn, um, the mother-in-law to the director during the time of the production, was classed as Glenda and Richard Pryor was the Wiz. And the film's choreographer was Lewis Johnson. So the film was big. It was the biggest, it was the biggest film being produced and recorded at the time when they started recording it. Um, Huge office box failure and only earned thirteen point six million. Um, it lost almost ten point four million. Uh, the film's failure stealed Hollywood studios away from producing all black films and projects that had became popular during the black exploitation era and the early to mid nineteen seventies for several years. Here's where I have a bone to pick, because if anybody knows what black exploitation is, black exploitation is nature's usually hypersexual usually bounced around crime. And of course, Hollywood was looking for an excuse not to diversify. And they kind of used the Wiz as their excuse. They're like, look, the Wiz bombed at the box office. Therefore, we can't make all black movies anymore. It's dumb as fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. And also that kind of led into the 80s drought yeah. that everyone saw. Like there were no black movies besides Eddie Murphy. It was Eddie Murphy was hard carrying everybody yes. in the 80s. Yes, until people like Spike Lee turned up. So yep. Hollywood was just like, oh, look, we can't make black movies. They suck at the box office. Blah, 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 blah. And the only reason that it sucked is because white people didn't like the fact that what they considered white culture, a white movie, a white classic, had a black twist on it. Um, now we're getting into what I like to call um, fire-breathing hair-raising, roll-my-eyes territory, critical reception. Um, so, of course the reviews for this <laughs> were not good. A lot of people were complaining that Diana Ross was too old, even though they turned her into a 24-year-old teacher, which I thought made the film more relatable. People were like, oh, it was just, it was too scary for children and too silly for adults. Um, somebody, who is this? Joel Schumer, not a Joel Schumer. Some person named his Cox, I don't know. He described Diana Ross's portrayal of Dorothy as cold, neurotic, and oddly unattractive. Y'all don't know what the word neurotic means, first of all. Um, she's a shy black woman, and y'all don't y'all have never seen a shy, introverted black woman. And so, of course, they were calling it unattractive. Um some person in the history of the American cinema said it's one of the decade's biggest failure, the year's biggest musical flop. Um, they said it was expensive and crude, though it won, um, though the stage play, the broadcast, the not broadcast, Broadway musical won for best costume. So I don't understand why they're saying that. Uh, they said the Wiz is overblown and will never have the universal appeal. You mean the white appeal that the classical MGM musical has obtained? Whatever. And you know the um, ironic thing of that, the at the Wizard of Oz was not a box office smash the in that they way they paint it now. Right. History re <laughs> history they rewrote history because it grew in popularity over time. But at the time, the Wizard of Oz was low key a flop, domestic like money wise. <laughs> right. Um. The one thing people did like was Michael especially after this movie when he blew up with Thriller. So um, they loved Michael for it. They thought it was superb and terrific that Diana was superb. Some people said it was Diana came off as superb and terrific. Um, 
the American Jewish filmmakers said that it features some of the most imaginative adaptations of New York locals since the glory days of Astor and Rogers films. Um, the New York Times analyzed the film with a discussion of the genre of black exploitation. As the audience of black exploitation dwindled, it seemed as the Wiz might be the last grasp of what had been a steadily expanding black presence in mainstream filmmaking. Um, but of course, it only took one flop like Hollywood for Hollywood to be like, ha ha ha, they have to retreat to safer, aka wider creative grounds. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to read some facts. Well, I don't want to end it on this. I looked up some, I don't know what I was looking up, but I came across this New York Times, you know, New York Times archives author shit. This is from 1975 by a motherfucker called Brian Rollins. Does The Wiz, the popular black musical, now in its second season on Broadway, say different things to blacks than to whites? As one of the black theater 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 goers who made up about half of the audience at the Majestic one even recently, I thought I saw signs that it does. Several more visits to the Wiz confirmed my first impression. Blacks responded in a special way at certain dramatic points in the show and to some of its songs and dances. And then he goes on to say that the main things running through the show are slavery and emancipation, the black church and religion, and the great black migration from rural south to urban north. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We had to be watching two different movies. I have the right? Like, (laughs) what? This is one of those movies that was devoid of any of that. This man continues to go about the obvious representation of slavery is the Wicked Witch of the West. Um, because she's has a whip and a bullhorn. I mean, if anything, you can talk about how capitalism is in Oz, but like, what? Like, because they talk about businesses and apartments. I'm like, okay, so this is very, yeah. we're still capitalism. But, the, yeah. but slavery? What? He said, in a humorous aside alluding to present-day servitude, the Wicked Witch instructs Dorothy, the captive heroine, to wash the floors and vacuum all my rugs. And so their floor, this is a stereotypical version of a white employee and a stereotypical maid. And then they continue to talk about the migration of Southern Blacks and how going up North (laughs) is a bad idea. Um... Because North was meant to be freedom in the promised land. But, you know, mm-hmm. once Black people got up North, they were just met with drugs like the poppy field. And the immorality of losing... I'm going to quote this. The old folks used to warn the young people coming North about the immorality of the loose living Blacks of the city. I'm done. <laughs> I said there's of course oh and they tie in gospel you know how they tie in the black church because Stephanie Mills who plays Dorothy began singing at the age of three at a church and Mabel King who began singing gospel at the age of four (laughs) he said and Um, at least one important religious theme is framed in a way familiar to blacks in the audience (laughs) I, I, this I don't is know the type of shit that was appearing in newspapers. I'm just, I'm done. <laughs> you, I don't understand how you watch that movie and come to that conclusion. <laughs> it's to me, it's everything that is anti-black exploitation. You have a female lead who is not sexualized. She is introverted. She's shy. She's unsure of herself. You have male leads that are also black that protect her that support her there's a very big sense of community there's a very big sense of people in power being black people of power not being black everything about this film screams innocent fantasy and somehow y'all still made it racial (laughs) like they always do Thoughts? <laughs> um, I mean, 
I'm not surprised considering the, the time that it came out. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I I <laughs> I really have no words to say for that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Same. I don't really. I, I just. <sighs> I feel like it had to be because it was 1978. Mm, I yeah. just. <laughs> and I feel like when you're the first of something, I'm not saying this is the first black musical, but when you're the first of something on like a big scale, you're gonna get criticism from everywhere. So yes, I mean, yes, it just—I mean, it's—it's it's, honestly they're reaching, but at the same time, I'm like, it's 1978; they're gonna reach probably. Um, yeah. Some we'll close out with some fun facts. Um, Eartha Kitt was actually the first choice for the role of Evelyn. That would be interesting. Mm. Um, interesting. Right. Diana Ross, in her um biography called "Call Her Mrs. Ross," talks about she was also almost nearly hosp she was hospitalized and nearly blinded by some of the lighting effects used in the movie yikes um, um they actually did record the filming the emerald city sequence at the plaza at the world trade center okay whoa cool. yeah oh wow so that's the inside of the world trade center i didn't know that yeah it was the plaza i don't know if that's outside or inside or whatever um you can't win was originally uh, supposed to be sung during Evelyn's scene. Um, the song was cut from the stage version of the musical during previews, but was then included in the film as the Scarecrow song. Why would y'all cut that? That's the one of the best songs. Um, the director was chosen because he was primarily, primarily because of his reputation for finishing his pictures on time and within budget. <laughs> <laughs> um... The duet between Michael Jackson and Diana Ross Easel Down the Road was released um, as a single by MCA Records in September 1978. The single just missed the top 40 radio pop charts. Stalling at 41, however, the song hit 17 on the Billboard Hot Soul Singles chart the same year. Hmm. Nice. The Cowley Line I can swear I, I heard that oh, song on commercials. Yeah. No, I'm saying I, I know yeah. that definitely was the song they play on commercials. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Cowley Lions scene was actually a set. They could not film in front of the New York Public Library. Um, the movie changed Dorothy's shoes from the ruby slippers back to silver as they were in the original book. Um, yeah, they were using the original story by L. Frank Baum as source material more than they were using the 1939 version of the movie. Which is really interesting. Um, simultaneously with the release of the film, Conglom, the flooring company that designed the look of the Yellow Brick Road, also marketed the same design for you to use in your house. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Scarecrow's nose tip, nose tip is a piece of brown paper from a Reese's peanut butter cup. I knew it. Close up on his face. I said. Is that what he says? No, it's not. No. <laughs> Jimmy Walker was originally considered for the scarecrow part, but he was tr- he turned it down and it was given to Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Jimmy Walker is the actor from Good Times. Oh. Oh. Oh wow. Also, what's wild is I I was kind of I my I don't know if it's just like my memory's crazy, but I had seriously thought they kept Michael's face like recognizable as michael so when i was watching this i'm like yeah oh they They said he's in prosthetic for four hours wow and you know they could have like oh oh no go ahead ahead. no 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 no, go ahead the the prosthetics in this film are amazing for the time like the crows Mm -hmm. and the lion and stuff like that yeah yeah uh, I agree. I was just going to say that, like, usually movies like this, when you have a big star in it, they'll, like, do everything possible to make sure you can see that this is the star. So, like, mm-hmm. the fact that they did the opposite was an interesting decision. Um, I think it made it like, easier I know... for him to be the scarecrow, too. Yeah, oh, that's true. That's true. That's he true. was actually, like, he did a pretty good job acting, in my opinion. Right. He did. Yeah. This is his film debut. This is his first film. Did he ever... <laughs> What's so funny is that, like, I, did he ever do anything else? Like I don't know. Anything. I don't remember him doing any other like 
actual movies. His own right. music videos were movies. He has, pretty a, much put. He has right. a, a cameo in Men in Black. That's as much as I know. Huh? Yeah, he pops up on the screen. I'm pr- Please don't tell me I'm imagining that. <laughs> no, he does. <laughs> oh, I gotta look that um, up. That's crazy. The snow babies and all the close-up were related to stars of the movie. The ones in the background are dolls. Um... This is Lena Horne's final film. Uh, this is the first role in which Richard Pryor would wear his mustache as a permanent part of his popular image. Mm, I think that's kind of all the really fun facts. Um, people said this is also Iman's debut. I don't know where she is. I feel like I saw her and I was like, you look familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at first I thought it was Grace Jones, not gonna lie. And I was like... Yeah, is that Grace Jones? But I, but probably not. Um. With that being said, what do we rate the Wiz? I give it a nine out of ten. I think it was, um, acting wise, it was good. Musical wise, it was good. Directing, the way they chose to film it to me has problems. I don't know why they decided to use so many wide shots. <laughs> um. I guess they're trying to give it that musical feel so you can, like, see people dancing and stuff. But when they do, like, ease on down the road, I was like, why don't we ever get to see Michael and Diana's face? Why why are we just Mm, watching the back of them dancing? Um, And they do that several times in the field. And I don't know if that was, like, a director's, like, artistic choice or whatever. Whatever it was. But sometimes also the connecting tissue between some of the scenes is not um, as clean as it could be. Um, With that being said, I do adore this film. Um the music is amazing and i think it's become a cult classic and i could think it will continue to live on in black history so uh a nine out of ten for me um for me i think i'd give it a seven out of ten the movie is enjoyable um for the first half but as i said my attention span is about an hour and 45 for films so (laughs) after that and then the music i was like i can't do this anymore but yeah for the much the, for the part that I enjoyed, I'd say seven out of ten. Yeah, I give it a nine out of ten as well. Because, I, like I said, I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. Probably gonna watch it again in like a month or two. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Nia? And I, uh, I would give it like a seven out of ten as well for because I it is a bit long. I didn't realize it was two hours and something. I feel like if mm-hmm. it was like an hour and a half, it would be fine. But I was, and some of the cuts were strange. Like, it felt like yeah. they would have cuts and it would be like, okay, where are we? What's going on? So, um, like, I feel like some choices, editing choices were a little weird, but the the music is just classic. And, like, I like how ambitious it was for the time. Um, so I do say I give it a seven. Very good. Very good. I highly recommend The Woods if you haven't seen it. Um, it's a great it's just like a great overall production. Um, Spooktober is just kicking off. We're going to have, we have some very um, many more fun episodes for you guys. You can come join our discord to see the full schedule that we just posted in there. Don't forget to give us a five star review if you enjoyed this episode um, and let us know how we're doing. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Competent or TikTok at Competent Podcast. Until next time, I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Nia. And I'm Decoria. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.